Hi, I'm Joe. And I'm Ricky. And this is Season 3, Episode 10 of the Beer and Broadband Podcast. It should come out on June 8th, 2020. And um, we're going to talk about some stuff today that is probably more on everyone's mind in May when we're recording this. Um, it's not too far, far off, but... Um, you know, a lot of places are still opening back up, but they're just, they're very limited. And so we're going to talk about some of the things that you can do as you go forward. Um, and in times where you need to be separated out, like if you get sick, um, but, you know, other people are able to go out and like how you can like kind of separate yourself because that's something we specialize in. We, we know a lot about that sort of stuff. So, uh, and then we're also going to talk about uh, ubiquity stuff, like uh, one of their new devices uh, that I'm just dying to get my hands on. And finally, the first thing we're going to talk about is uh, some brewing, because I brewed uh, wine, um, and some of the things I did that's different from the sweet red wine that I made to begin with. So I made a um, wine that we talked about a few episodes ago. I think it was episode... Um, I should have done this. It was episode four um, of the podcast for this season, so season three, episode four. Um, and I made a wine that I called, you know, Joe's Sweet Red Wine. Um, but um, it was made with Fleischmann's bread yeast. And while I like it, and I probably will continue to, like, target something that's like that to make a wine, I may not use exactly that yeast, um, it kept everything kind of cloudy. It made everything um, have. It it didn't. It it wasn't really a bready taste, but it's things that you associate with bread because of the yeasty flavor that you get in bread, especially like risen breads and things like that. And some of that, and 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 it didn't have some of the mouthfeel um, that I like from most wines. So I tried it again. I used the same thing. It's just grape juice with sugar and um, then uh, I added some tea and some raisins um, and uh, to a two gallon batch. And so now we're trying this one. Uh, it is, it was made with Red Star yeast. Um, it, so it's the Red Star Champagne yeast, the uh, Blanc. And uh, it was, it's 15.2% ABV or roughly, I mean, you know, it's never 100% accurate mm -hmm. when you're doing it with just a hydrometer. So what do you think about the smell to begin with? It smells really good. Um, sorry, I'm going back for a second smell. Yeah. It's got a very, like, juicy smell to it. You know, not in, like, a bad way in the sense that, like, oh, it smells like juice, but, like, it just smells very fruity. Mm -hmm. It's got, like, a good, like, almost like a sweet and savory yeah. sort of smell to it. I really like that. I also really like the mouthfeel of it, mm -hmm. and I like the secondary flavor. I think we we not for the podcast, but when you made something similar to this before that had the tea and the raisin, I do really like those secondary flavors. I think they complement well, pretty well. So that was uh, that was when we were tasting my meat uh, that I put some of this in, but this I put it in the primary, and that one that we tried I put it in the secondary. Gotcha. It's it's hard to compare one to one. Yeah. Because 
this is like the different ABV content, the different the other stuff that's being brewed with it. It's not quite as pronounced in this one. So maybe that's the difference between primary and secondary. Maybe not. Again, it's not a one-to-one -one test, so it's hard to judge. Right. But I still think it's got some good flavors that kind of get added in there. I'll say the primary is a little heavy, but this is such a high ABV wine. I don't think you can judge that yet. No. Like this is going to need to sit for several months before it really clears up enough to judge that. But I'd say all the stuff that you can judge for a wine of this ABV at this age, I think it's turning into something nice. Well, by, by clear, you don't mean the clarity of the liquid. You mean the, the esters and the off gases that create those off flavors, right? Yeah, it's got kind of like wet, not in terms of like, mouthfeel but wet is in flavor like it's a little bit muddied right now but that'll hopefully clear up as time goes on so it'll be really interesting to, i'm not sure if you plan on saving any bottles but it would be interesting to see where what does this taste like like six months from now yeah i plan on uh keeping one bottle for as long as i can um mm -hmm. and and seeing like how it tastes maybe two years three years from now um and then i plan on keeping one bottle um you know, in a in kind of a, a place uh, that that I tested, you know, maybe in like six seven months. Yeah, uh, I, I have like six or seven bottles of these, uh, but uh, I had I had I started out with eight, and I've drank three I think because um, I had one that uh, I initially that. Uh, I was running out of bottles and I just didn't have the right side type of cap for it. It was a screw cap um, bottle versus um, not my uh, corked bottles. Mm -hmm. And um, so I had to do that. An interesting thing with this one, this one is completely dry. It went to um, uh, 0 0.990 um, ABV. So it, really? it went completely dry. Yeah. It, it ate up all the sugar that was in it. Uh, so for a dry, completely dry wine, this this is a very nice feel for me. The raisins, um, the raisins also I can tell the difference in flavor between the Fleischmann's red yeast mm -hmm. wine uh, and this one, and the um, the raisins and tea and primary made a huge difference in what came through in the flavors that I was wanting to because they were much more subdued and the ones that I put it in secondary. Because um, I've made three batches of this wine. I don't have any of the second batch left. Um, and the second batch was really good, but it didn't have, it. the flavors were, were not as, um, and the mouthfeel was not as pronounced. So if you are into making wine, um, finding some things to put into your primary, if you're making like a juice wine, that's really the way to go, I think. Uh, and I'm no, really I, excited to see what we do coming. Yeah, next. I think it depends on what you want to have happen. Like, you're right, they're a lot more subtle, but I kind of liked them when they were a little bit more, like, vibrant. So, like, mm -hmm. I like it in secondary a little bit more than primary, but that's, like, a personal taste. So, but I, I think that is the takeaway, and that's the big difference people talk about between primary and secondary. When you're adding it in secondary, since there's no longer any fermentation there, there's going to be no modification of those flavors. If you put it in primary, you know, it does mute it some because it's also getting 
kind of churned up in the fermentation process. So if you want like really subtle secondaries, throw it in primary. You want really pronounced secondaries, I mean, like secondaries from secondary flavors, you put it in your secondary brew. I think there's a way to possibly get some of the best best of both worlds um, with this stuff, but I, I definitely just, the idea of putting something either in primary or secondary that's um, that, that is going to bring out some of those things that you want, whether it's wood chips or, um, I, I don't think wood chips by themselves would be able to do this. That's going to be my next thing to do. I've got some wood chips. I'm going to make um, probably another sweet red wine um, and, you know, put some tea in it and all the other stuff that I've done in primary. And then I'm thinking about putting some more raisins and um, wood chips in secondary. Uh, and seeing how that kind of affects the flavor and what that could do to really um, make this like a much, a much, like a much more, I don't know, fun. It's, it's a fun experiment, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, and then I'm, I'm uh, what I was really talking about is I'm excited to see what happens with that strawberry wine that you made. Um, or it's not strawberry. It was, uh, we, we talked about it a while back but what was the one that you yeah. made yeah it was like an apple strawberry one <laughs> apple strawberry yes that's right um but i'm excited to see what you can do with that by playing with some of those mixtures and the things that you can add to it yeah that's probably coming pretty soon we're down to uh only one more gallon of that one so probably next week or two i'll throw another batch together and we'll see where we go i've been trying a lot of other teas a lot of herbal ones since I don't necessarily want I don't want to say I don't want a tea flavor but what I'm mostly looking out of the in the tea is tannins you don't get a lot of tannins in white tea but you get tons of tannins in certain herbal tea so mm-hmm. I've been playing around with those some yeah so I, I think you could you could do that or um, there's uh, some there there's some other teas that um are like fruity teas that have like some fruit things added to them that you could use that would be really nice um so like there's one called fruity pebbles that you can order off amazon that has like a a peachy kind of flavor to it it's not a it's it's got like peach and mango and some other citrus fruits to it and i think that would be like a fun one to play with it's a good options for going forward definitely for sure yeah so um Let's, well, I mean, we're definitely going to talk about that probably, we'll, we'll probably uh, save some of that and talk about it in the next, we should have some new batches, you know, the next, the next uh, half of the season. So in the fall, we'll be talking about these. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about what you do um, or what, what your setup should be for having like a headphone setup or um, a void phone or a cell phone when you're trying to do meetings. And like kind of from a business perspective, what what you see as being like the appropriate use for, for all three. And, and the reason I'm saying that is um, I've had to kind of think about that with some presentations I was doing recently um, and, and some things, um, and how some people use it. And I think it's because they're not used to working from home. They don't get, they don't have the tools set up to do the right thing. Mm 
if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So how do we kind of help people know, well, when's the right time to have like a Bluetooth headphone or a headphone with a mic? You know, what, what is the difference between the two and how do they, how do they do, you know, affect voice calls differently? When's the, when's the time to use like either um, a software VoIP phone on your computer, laptop, whatever, versus like maybe using uh, a hardware phone or your cell phone. So let's talk about the microphones first, because I think that mm -hmm. there's uh, two different things to talk about there. So where do you see the appropriate time to use a, like a boom mic microphone that's maybe dedicated with like its own receiver and stuff like that versus a, um, maybe a Bluetooth headphone um, that, uh, let's say like some AirPods or, you know, something like that. Gotcha. I mean, if we're, if we're running that analogy, we're talking about like a, a headset or a phone that has some sort of physical connection into the computer versus a wireless connection. Unless you really need the mobility, I kind of always go for something with a wired option. Like even my headset, it connects to its receiver. It has a strong signal to that, but it's still a physical connection into the laptop. Um, I feel things like Bluetooth, you're opening yourself up to, you know, not really latency, but just like jitter, drop packets, interference, you know, those things, even if they're, they're strong connections, they're not perfect. And the last thing you kind of want is to be dropping in and out either on audio or well, I guess incoming audio or outgoing audio, because it just kind of sounds unprofessional. Apart from it makes it harder for people to understand you and you to understand them. If you're working from home, people always, I think, like to jump at that. Oh, well, you know, if you were in the office, this would be a problem. Yeah. You know, that sort of thing. So you always try and get that physical connection if you can. If you're in a place that you need to be mobile, you know, Let's say you do things like site inspections, or maybe you go in between a bunch of storefronts, you know, stuff like that. I can see some of these in-ear Bluetooth that like connect to your inner ear bones and stuff in terms of like, that's where they pick up their mic instead of like from your mouth. Those work fairly well. I've got to play around with some of those recently, but I, I do have to preface that with it. It's really only a good option if you need that mobility. If you don't need the mobility, if you're at your desk most of the day, or even if you're just in your office space most of the day, you know, and it's just like the headset itself is wireless but connects to a receiver that physically connects in, I think that's your better option. Yeah, so I, I agree with that. So I, I think it, whether you're talking about using um, a wired headset like a Logitech wired one, um, or even, you know, like a, a Logitech 8H100. So that is a headset that has a USB receiver that plugs into your um, your computer. Um, it is um, a battery powered headset. It has like eight hours of talk time, but it has like a boom mic and it has Bluetooth also. The thing about it, and, and you know, it, there's a lot of great Bluetooth headsets out there. So I, I don't want to. We're I'm keeping it like in the. Um, more affordable range, I think. Uh, and I know I mentioned AirPods, which are like around, you know, $150, $160 if you get the case and all that stuff. Um, but, you know, like um, a, a less expensive sub-$200 
headset that you can plug in in that price range to get the best experience for the people that are listening to you and the best experience for you, it is really, really just best to get one with a boom mic. Um, and whether you're using your cell phone um, or you're using a desktop phone, uh, you could be using like, let's say, a, a Cisco ADA21. If you have a headset or a, you know, something like that that's connected to that phone, you're going to get better um, voice quality if it's got a boom arm than not. Well, and that kind of depends on the microphone and things like that. But overall, you get you get kind of what you're investing into it, uh, in in that in those sort of things. So, I definitely I think that the use case though, where you can get by with something like an earpod or something. Let's say that um, you and I just call each other. We have like a few mi minutes to talk, and we're going to talk about something. It's just like a planning session. It's not customer facing, um, and I need to like multitask a little bit. I have to like kind of. I'm riding in the car. That's a time for using your Bluetooth headset, you know, like your 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 iPod um, iPods or your uh, Galaxy Buds or something like that. Um, that's a time where that's like more appropriate, right? Mm -hmm. um, but if you're doing like a customer-facing call, uh, and or or you've got like a meeting with another team where you need to communicate like some sort of highly effective message, then you need to start looking at having, even if it's a wireless headset, something that's got a better microphone uh, that is better at capturing the sound of your voice. Um, and, and that, you know, it, that gets more expensive as you go up. AirPods are one of those weird things where I've, I've had really good experiences with using them for phone calls. Um, so they're kind of in a um, league of their own, but, we know people that use them for everything and it doesn't work for everything. <laughs> like, you know, if you're, if you're in a group call where you're trying to talk and, you know, play a board game or something like D and D, it doesn't always work um, across, across the board. And so because of that, I find, I find you have to like really know what you're doing, you know, what you're planning on doing. Um, and um, I think, I think for that reason, it is much better to use like a headset type setup. Yeah. Um, so when's it appropriate to use your cell phone versus your like a dedicated VoIP phone, whether it's software VoIP or like a hardware VoIP, you know, like I'd mentioned, like something like the Cisco ADA21 or Cisco, you know, 8865 or something like that, you know, where you're trying to use something, you know, to, to communicate with someone. Mm -hmm. um, In my mind, the only time you should really be using your cell phone is again in that mobility aspect you know and i guess there's the argument to be say well you know certain like software suites let you have a voip phone inside of your cell phone but i'm going to count those as cell phone too because the idea is you're you're still beholden to your reception all these other things we talked about before with the wireless headset you know your packet's going to be lost. You can get this jitter in there. I find cell phones aren't as good as blocking out background noise as other dedicated phones are. So 
unless you're, you're again you're wandering around places you need to have that one phone number people can contact you if you're in the car or you just landed off of your flight you're taking business calls you're going between storefronts cell phone can make sense then because people kind of expect it because they expect you to be anywhere you know right. they catch you on a train they knew that because part of your job is, is moving but if you're again in a stationary spot don't use your cell phone because um, that's almost going to be worse because at least if you're traveling between places you're out in the open air i mean i don't know about everybody but i've never had as good cell reception inside my house as i do outside on my front lawn you know especially if you've got things in your office that might produce interference a lot of medical equipment i mean metal equipment mm-hmm. so like my racks and stuff like that just don't don't go in there i mean if your company gives you a soft phone use it if not i mean there are very cheap soft phones available i mean like the whatever it's called like google number or whatever mm-hmm. i set up for some clients once and they really liked it you know your physical connection to your network is always going to be better than whatever wireless lte you can get provided from your cell company so i think i think that's the thing though it's all it's situation dependent you know we go back to uh, you're going to have a talk with your team. It's not really like that big of a deal. You're just kind of commenting on a few, few things. Or you're explaining something that's um, not mission critical. You know, so it's just like maybe a check-in or something. Using your cell phone in that moment, not a big deal. You need to go, you know, buy some stuff for your kid or you're taking them to the, to the doctor's office. Put yourself on mute, listen in on the cell phone with like a Bluetooth headset. Not a big deal, right? But if you're doing something that's customer facing or you're having like an important team meeting or something like that, you should make sure that you that you are in a spot that you have good connectivity. And so that that can mean wireless connectivity. That doesn't necessarily mean wired. But if you're in a wireless spot, you have to really control that RF environment. So, you know, don't put your, um, you know, a device on top of a um, metal box or put it in a metal box is even worse. Uh, don't like stack APs on top of each other side by side, I guess is kind of okay. Uh, but it, you know, things like that. And then like, if you're, if you're like living in an apartment and you know that everybody around you has, you know, a wireless connection, you can forget having a good voice conversation. It's just, yeah. It's just going to have too much attenuation and interference, period. Uh, there, there are ways that you can overcome that. You can put things in like a Faraday cage and just have the one signal inside of the Faraday cage versus outside, stuff like that. I mean, I've seen people go to some extreme stuff, you know, for their offices. But that you just it's easy enough just to get an Ethernet cable and plug your phone in or your laptop in to whatever, um, you know, thing that you're setting up to do to to have your whether it's like a hardware vpn device or just a modem router combo figuring out how to have an ethernet cable that sets you up for that is much better than than going the other way around um i've I've done it before in an apartment setting in a small office um you know just from experience of trying to do wireless in an apartment when i moved to a house so I, i have um a uh, wireless VoIP phone that, that I that I use for testing stuff. And that phone never worked. It didn't matter if it was five gigahertz or 2.4 gigahertz. 
It never worked in my apartment, no matter what I did. I'd walk around, and it, unless I was real, like super close, I had to be in the same room, but I couldn't be right beside. I had to be kind of like two foot away. It only worked in that one spot because that's just like the, the place that the access point could get to it the best. But if I took it into any other room or anything like that, it just, it, I constantly had issues with it. It worked for a little bit, and then it'd drop out. I'd drop calls, just like everything. And that wasn't like a cell phone. Uh, cell phones compared to that are a little bit more reliable, but you know, every time I tried to use a cell phone or something, it just didn't work. But I had, as long as I had an internet connection, if I used my, you know, hardware wired phone, it just, it worked and I didn't have a problem with it. And I think that's the sort of thing that you have to look at when you're looking at mission critical calls, customer engagements and things like that. And then, you know, mission critical calls, you can probably be, be on speakerphone in your office separated from everyone else. As long as your kids aren't running around in the background, like screaming and yelling, you don't have your dog barking and stuff like that. Everything's fine. Right. Mm -hmm. But if you, if you got those things going on, put on a headset and mute yourself. You yeah. know, and only talk when you need to talk, right? But if you're doing a presentation, get in a quiet room, put that headset on, lock the door, don't let anybody inside, you know, that sort of thing, um, which is which kind of brings us to the next thing. But I don't want to jump off this topic. Is there anything else that you have to say about this, like as far as like advice for people that are out there needing something, some, some guidance? Like how do I set this up so that I'm not – driving myself crazy or spending a thousand dollars to get myself in a position that I can, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think you can, for not that much money, get yourself a nice setup, you know, get a good wireless headset that either has a direct receiver with good reception. And remember most of these USB receivers, um, I think you brought up like the, uh, H800, they're directional. They don't actually go out in a radius. They only go in one direction. So make sure that that's positioned in a way that looks good. A trick I used to use for that, um, if I had desk constraints, like where my computer could be, is to get one of those really, um, they're not expensive. They're only like a foot long. They're like little USB extenders. Yep. That way you can position the head, the receiver exactly where you need it so that you've got good connection out to the rest of your office. You know, those aren't that expensive. It's a big bump in quality. You know, your soft phone, you'll have to work, figure out what works best for you. Um, either something your company provides or something you set up yourself. But even with those little things, and, you know, make sure you're familiar with your mute button. I work with several people, love them all. They don't use their mute button enough, and you can catch them all the time whispering stuff to people. Yep. <laughs> your headset is literally inches from your mouth. You can't whisper soft enough for it not to, not to pick up. Yeah. So just learn where your mute button is. And and that's really all you need. Um, you know, you can do that from anywhere between like eighty to like three hundred dollars, even at like three hundred dollars being the high end. You know, it's not too expensive to do this stuff. Um, if you just kind of think about what you need your layout to be. So that brings me into since you said layout, um, set, you know, your office space or your dedicated space for work. Now, there are people with micro apartments and stuff like that, and I'm sorry, that's just not, that's, that's not going to work, you know, in this sort of situation. Um, but what I'm talking about that is like, if you, if you live in an apartment or a house, and I don't care if it's your bedroom, I don't care what it is, if you're, if you're having to stay at home for whatever reason, or you're working from home, 
you need to have a dedicated space, a place where you can sit comfortably and work and have all of your equipment and it not get in the way of everyone else and you not turn you know, your whole house into some sort of lab or something like that, but a place that you can separate yourself out, everyone can, can work, and if you, especially if you have another person that's working in the home, you both need your own dedicated separate space for these things. Yeah. Um, so what does that mean? What does that space look like? It probably should have a door that you can close so that if you've got kids or pets, they can't interrupt you during meetings or times where you need to be concentrating on things. Um, it should be a space that is large enough that you can comfortably sit uh, with something like an office chair or um, I, I prefer not to use like kitchen chairs and kitchen tables unless I have to, yeah. uh, because I've had to do that before. If, I, if there is an office chair available, I'll oftentimes pull it into that kitchen chair because like whenever I travel, sometimes I have to use like a kitchen table to, to uh, um, work from. But I go into a separate room and then I tell if, if I don't have a way to shut a door, I tell everyone, look, be quiet. Mm. If you're talking, I'm going to come in. And I'm going to tell you to shut up. <laughs> yeah, so be quiet. I have to work. I'm going to have phone calls. There's going to have to be something, some, some sort of give and take there. Um, you know, so uh, it, it's, it's just really important to, to keep that in mind when you're setting up your space, because if you don't, then people don't like they don't think about it. But they don't respect it because they don't think about how your work needs to be done and how they're going to be interfering with that. You know? Yeah, you kind of got to have some if you're not going to have a, a separate room. There do have to be ground rules that kind of get respected because I've worked from home in a couple different places. Not all of them was I able to have a room with a door, but it all worked out because the idea was, look, between these hours when I'm at work, this section of the house is my office. You know, my wife used to get home before I got off of work. My desk was not directly in the living room, but it was in like was supposed to be like the dining room alcove so not very far from it if she'd been watching tv you'd have to be able to hear it but she knew hey for the first half an hour when i get home you know i want if i want to watch like videos on youtube i do that in the bedroom right because it needs to be quiet out here you know now that i got a soon-to-be three-year-old probably gonna still need that door um you know if your kids get old enough and can respect that you don't necessarily have to have it. Like some of the um, apartments I've looked at recently have like nice little loft areas that could be okay. Yeah. If I had an older kid, you know, I, I, I had an older kid who uh, had a really hard time respecting those boundaries and letting me do whatever I was going to do. Yeah, so. that's true. I mean, that's, you know, asterisk based on what your kid's personality is like, yeah. but I think you can get away from it needing to be a dedicated room if you don't have it. As long as you think the other people in your life will be able to handle, you know, from my eight to five, this is a quiet space. Yep. I agree with that completely. So, um, you know, I mean, maybe this is like a conversation that our listeners need to have too. Um, you know, we have, if you're listening to this on YouTube or just on our uh, Podbean site, um, there's places for you to put comments in and talk about it and, uh, you could also tweet us and let, let us know what you think about, um, you know, the, the 
working from home thing, um, especially with you know the the stay and shelter in place orders that most places around the world have had recently. This is like a really important topic now, and, yeah. and facilitating and guiding people in the best way to do it is is super important. I think. Yeah, it is, and there are going to be a lot of people in situations that, since they're not full time teleworkers, the chance that someone who's been thrust into this just had a spare room they could use is fairly low. So you know, it'd be interesting to see how are the people that don't have the the space to set up an office. What have you been doing that's been working for you? Yeah. Exactly. And, and I think, um, you know, may, maybe there's, there's ways for you to, to, to talk about these things. Like, uh, it may be important in the future for some people to be able to kind of share that advice of this is, this is how you do this. And, um, you know, get on a, maybe a web call. If you have a colleague who's really successful mm -hmm. with this and say, Hey, um, I don't know of any services that would do this for you, but, Look at my space. Let me just walk you around maybe with a, with a camera or something. Walk you through each of the locations that I have available to me. And which out of these would you suggest for this, site, this sort of work? Whether you're you know, taking um, support calls or you're um, you know, designing something or you're coding or you're writing, typing to, to edit and, and do things like that. You know, those are all things that you can really um, get into a spot of, uh, of needing advice about how to do some things. Mm. So let's talk about uh, the Ubiquity Dream Machine Pro. So I, I don't think that we ever talked about it, but there was um, a Dream Machine that Ubiquity put out, and it's basically one of their access points in this like, little tube. It looks like Apple's old trash can Mac. Um, and it's, it's like a, an access point on top in a tube that has uh, one of Ubiquity's cloud keys and a four-port switch and one of their um, USGs. And it, it's got an IPS and IDS built into it, and it's uh, supposed to be fantastic. Like people, the people that I've seen review it love it. Uh, but one of the things that I had a problem with about it one of the reasons I wasn't super excited about it is its form factor and the way that it's made. It's not really like that modular and you wouldn't be able to like kind of integrate and pop pieces out and put new things in and stuff like that. Like, you, like um, with the USG, um, you know, or the cloud key, I'm sorry, the new cloud key too, they have a hard drive in them and you can have, if you have uh, ubiquity cameras, you can, have that also work as your security suite, right? And, mm -hmm. and things like that. Well, then they came out with the Dream Machine Pro. And I am super excited about this thing. For less than 500 bucks, you can get a um, gigabit. I think, it's, I think it's even got some multi-gigabit ports on it. Yeah, um, 10 gigabit. Yeah, so you can get a 10 gigabit router um, <clears throat> that's software-defined that uh, has, I think, eight ports on it. Um, it has, uh, you know, multi-switch. It's got a built-in cloud key. It's got a hard drive that you can swap out to be able to expand storage. It is the bomb. And it doesn't have a built-in AP, so you can just add access points to it. Mm -hmm. If you already have existing Unify APs, you can just add a couple more to it. I'm, I'm super excited about this thing. I'm probably going to buy one the next chance I get to buy some more networking equipment. 
when I have like five or six hundred bucks, I'm just going to plop one down and replace the smaller USG that I have downstairs because it uh, would avail me to be able to have more options uh, for my for my home oh, yeah. network. Yeah, I mean, especially for someone like you that's got Ethernet through the walls. I mean, mm -hmm. that's a great solution. I mean, you can run your APs directly off of it. I don't know if you've got like security cameras, but that struck me as like, oh, that's a thing that'd be really useful for this. You know, you could run really everything in your house, unless you just have a whole bunch of devices that needed physical connections. Off of just one of these things, you can run your entire home network. Well, yeah, off of one of them, but like even for me, I have um, multiple uh, things that are set up with the uh, with, that are uh, ubiquity devices, and I have some lab networks and things like that um, that that I am able to something like this. I would be able to get rid of the cloud key two I have put that hard drive in, like do some things like that, and it would be great. Um, I, I would be super excited about that. Somehow, I put the wrong link here, so I'm gonna grab the right link and put it on here. I put the link to the micro, to the Microsoft earbuds. Oh yeah, I yeah, I didn't know if you wanted there. to talk about those too. No, that well I do, later, not yeah. now. <laughs> Spoilers. Spoilers. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm gonna swap that out real quick um, from the, the Ubiquity store. But um, yeah, so th this it's right now on the Ubiquity store, it's 380 bucks basically to get this thing. And it's a one U rack, um, has eight gigabit ports um, of console port and then two 10 gig ports. Um, and it's got the NVR built in um it's got the I, ips ids you know it if, if i understand all of all of what it's supposed to do it will do that at uh one gigahertz uh one gigabit so you can your your LAN ports that you have on there can do the intrusion detection and everything uh for the for the wan that's coming in at one gigabit it is just a beast um i am super excited about that so um yeah is there anything else that you think I'm, I'm missing on talking about that? No, it's, it's a great little device. You know, if anyone's thinking about, hey, maybe I want to get away from just having two or three access points in my house that aren't really connected. I know a lot of people will just um, get like multiple Linksys and put one on each side of the house they've got a connection on. You know, it'd be a great way. It's certainly a little bit more expensive, but it's really an all-in-one device that can do your management and the ubiquity APs are not that expensive. So it'd be real easy just to hook a couple things up to this, get a lot of protection, get a nice little all-in-one unit. I was looking through the GUI they use for these on their OS. That's real nice, real Meraki-like, you know. So I think anyone looking to kind of step up their network game, this is a really good way to do it. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Well, I think that just about wraps up this episode, unless you got something else that you want to talk about. No, I'm good. Um, so thank you for listening. We really appreciate your patronage and the time that you spend listening to our stuff. We also appreciate all the people that are in, in these mandatory stay-at-home times that are out there supporting uh, all of us that need your support, that you know, we can't take out our own trash, we can't... Um, 
you know, do any of the infrastructure stuff. We can't like grow, necessarily grow our own food and feed ourselves just completely off that. So thank you so much for working at grocery stores and gas stations and all of the other things that you're doing. Um, but this has been season three, episode 10 of the Beer and Broadband podcast. We really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Have a great day.